You are listening to Any Given Sunday, a part of the Dead End Podcast Network. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other podcasting services. Please make sure you check out Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Is the Mic Still On, Chris Platt's Strictly Hip Hop and Hoops Talk, and a host of other shows on our podcast network. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Yo, welcome back to another episode of Any Given Sunday for Sunday, February 24th, 2019. I am your host, Manny Brown. What's up, everyone? Hopefully you guys had a happy, safe, blessed week. Um, my guest this week is a fellow Blue Devil fan, uh, brings a unique experience to the table. He is someone who attended the Duke University, graduated in 2004. Uh, Mr. Donald Wine, you may have heard of him before. He is the co-host of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. He also contributes on SB Nation, also writes for Stars and Stripes FC. He's all over the place. Uh, the Duke Basketball Report podcast, one of the best uh, college basketball podcasts out there, one of the best Duke uh, solely podcasts out there. So uh, check it out. It's available anywhere you can find podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, anywhere. So uh, first time on the show. I've been wanting to talk to this guy for a while. I think he brings a unique insight to the show, um, and uh, I'm glad that he's here. Mr. Donald Wine, what's going on, man? Welcome to Any Given Sunday. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Um, and we, we're we still shocked. Uh, we, we just recorded our 150th episode. Uh, we're still shocked that people call our podcast popular. So thank you for that. <laughs> awesome, man. No, you guys do an awesome job. If you guys have not listened, obviously it's a Duke podcast. So if you're a Duke hater out there, it might not appeal to you. But uh, for those Dukies out there that uh, like myself and others who listen and uh, want good Duke podcasts, it's definitely one of the best out there. So uh, check it out for sure. Um, but I wanted to have you on because obviously this was a big week. Uh round one of Duke UNC and obviously the whole Zion situation popped off on Thursday night. But before we get into that, um, anytime I have a guest on the show, I just kind of want to have them introduce themselves to the audience that may not have be aware of them, may not know them. Uh, just kind of give your background, a brief bio, just how long have you been a Duke fan? I know you're a Duke alum, so just kind of get into that a little bit, kind of let the audience know who uh, Donald is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I- Donald Wine here. Um, nice to meet everybody out there on Europe on your uh, side of the world. Um, I, I graduated from Duke in 2004. Um, funny thing about me, I grew up in outside Detroit, Michigan. I'm not uh, one of those lifelong Duke fans. I grew up a Michigan fan um, in my youth. I, I still am a Michigan fan. And uh, but when it comes to Duke, I started following them. Uh, I, I went to school with Shane Battier uh, High School, and uh, when he committed to the Duke blue devils. I started following his career and started following the team um, and really became a fan when I, you know, went to school there. Uh, It's easy to fall in love with a team uh, once you step on campus and realize that it is, it is the thing to, to follow in college. And, and since then I've been uh, one of those people where life stops for basketball games uh, and and football games. I I worked for the football team when I was in school. I was the leader of the Krzyzewskiville my senior year. uh, And one of the thrills of my life is just being a Duke blue devil. So uh, I do that. I I've done the Duke basketball report podcast for about four years now. As I mentioned, we just recorded episode 150, which is something that uh, me and my co-host thought was uh, unheard of when we first started, but uh, it's cool to be doing this four years later and still having fun doing it. Outside of Duke, I'm a huge, huge, huge soccer fan uh, and, and it really uh, active in that space with a couple of supporters groups and also uh, on SB Nation on a couple of websites, Stars and Stripes FC. 
where I'm the co-manager and blackandredunited.com. So, uh, and I also write for Duke Basketball Report on occasion, uh, but mostly run their social media and help with the podcast and, and the Duke Basketball Report forum. So that's where you can find me. And, and really, I'm just out there in the sports space um, commenting and, and just really taking in uh, everything because sports is really one of the passions of my life and it's something that I follow daily. Awesome. Awesome. So you guys, you guys have an insider. This guy knows Duke very well. So it's good to have an insight from someone. Cause there's one thing that I like to cover them, just be a normal media person, but you mm-hmm. went to the school, you know, the environment, you know, the culture. So it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's an added bonus of having someone on that, 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 you know, kind of has that experience as well as covering them as well. So awesome, man. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad, I, I'm glad we got a chance to talk to you today. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and that I, I like that there's different perspectives out there because People kind of get wrapped up in their bubbles and it's cool to even branch out, even for me, branching out from my podcast to, to come on your podcast is, is, is an honor because I want to be able to provide that perspective and get perspective of someone that, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, integrate in the space that we're in from mm-hmm. time to time. So that's really good. I, I'm glad you're covering it. No, awesome. I'm a huge Duke fan and uh, I live and die with it. I'm like you, game day stop. Uh at the at the household, my wife rolls her eyes occasionally, but uh, <laughs> she she still hasn't learned yet. We have no, to. She, we, no, she, she 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 does a good job of trying to support the the passion. Yeah. <laughs> it's only it's only when I get I go crazy like uh, games like Thursday night where you know it's just very frustrating that she. Oh yeah, that that she'll never get used to it, and frankly, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fine. You're, we have yeah. to we'll have to deal with that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so yeah, let's get into Thursday night, man. Uh, what was it? Thirty seconds into the game, and uh, Zion goes down. Um, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming just like every Duke fan, you, you you know, you held the collective breath as you as you saw Zion go go down. So, what were your initial thoughts when he went was when he first got hurt and and everything that kind of followed? Well, so I saw the play immediately, and I saw that he had blown through his shoe immediately. It wasn't you know how some people probably didn't see it uh, until they saw the the slow motion replay. Right. But when it happened, I saw it in real time and was just saying, "Oh no! Oh no! Oh no!" Just. Mm-hmm over and over and over um that was obviously something that and for those of you out there yeah we you've heard the hype about this game about duke unc but this was on a level unlike you know many people had seen in quite a long time it was um all eyeballs were on there on on the teams uh on zion on rj barrett on all these guys on unc they were talking about this game that hype and that bubble just burst when zion's you know shoe exploded and and with it you know his right knee got injured and i think that is what took a lot of the 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 wind out of the sails of not just the team but all of cameron i mean zion is a once in a generation player i know you 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 out there have heard that um many times for different players over the years but i mean it when i say zion is is a once in a generation type of player and we wanted to see what he could do in the biggest rivalry in, in college sports and to see that happen 30 seconds in the game was such a freak accident thing. Um, really just, I think it just shocked everybody, everybody in the, in the gym, including the players. And, and the only people that it didn't shock were the 15 or so guys wearing UNC blue. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was definitely, it was definitely like a gut punch. It, it definitely kind of just, it kind of just cast a cloud over the game. It just never felt like the team was right after it. It never felt like the environment, the, the fans, mm-hmm. everybody was just kind of, it was just, it just felt like the whole night. Everybody was like, yeah, I know we're watching the game, but what about Zion? Like, is he hurt? Is he, yeah. you know, it just kind of felt like that. Um, you nailed it's it. Interesting. 
Yeah, interestingly enough, I didn't. Uh, you know, I saw I saw it in real time, but I didn't see that he broke through his shoe initially. I, I just kind of like, oh man, he slipped through a wet spot, and instantly I'm just like, oh my god, did he hurt his knee? Did he tear an ACL? You know, that just the, the the gamut of emotions just kind of runs through your head. Um, and then I, you know, obviously we see the the shoe break, and then that just kind of adds I know a whole added layer of lore to it. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because I, I didn't, you know, at first, you know, kind of saw it and then I went back and watched the replay. I, you know, I kind of rewound it and saw it. And then I was like, okay. And then I see him kind of walk off under his own power. So I'm like, okay, he's okay. I, I didn't think, you know, kind of after everything kind of settled down, the emotions of everything kind of settled down. I'm like, okay, he's walking off under his own power. You know, he's getting checked out. I'm thinking, okay, they'll probably hold, hold him out for the half and then he'll come back in the second half. And then, you know, I think, I think it was still in the first half when they announced he, he was kind of done for the game. That mm-hmm. kind of had me a little concerned, like, okay, what's going on? And maybe they're being precautious. But of course, you're watching the game and you're kind of you're kind of trying to shift your focus to one aspect, which is the game itself, and then trying to fo- you know figure out what's going on with Zion. So were you kind of in that same boat as well? Yeah, and you nailed it when I said you nailed it. You nailed it in the sense that um, you know, I'm watching the game with my two best friends and and we're sitting there saying this is weird in the sense that this game is no longer the most important thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're all on Twitter. Uh, we're all, you know, just looking on the internet, scouring for news about Zion's knee. And, you know, so during the first half, we were during commercial breaks, we're finding out stuff from people who are in the, in the arena um, and, and are able to comment on things that the broadcast is not able to comment about because they're, their main uh, thing is called the game. And, right. and so it was a lot of uh, news outlets out there that had uh, journalists at the game that were really the ones that were providing the backbone of the news that we were receiving about, you know, Zion's family being there and being called his dad being called into um, into the locker room and then him coming out to retrieve his mom, um, things like that. You know, you know, Nolan Smith going into the locker room, coming back, mm-hmm. shaking his head when confronted by uh, John Shire about the situation. Uh, and, ju- and and of course, no one's hearing what's being said, but, you know, just everyone knew when 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 no one comes back to the bench and they know they're talking about Zion, he just simply shakes his head. Everyone in the gym and everyone on Twitter is just like, what is going on here? Is this a thing where he's done for the game or is this something where we saw the last of Zion Williamson? And and, and again, like you said, the way the range of emotions all supersede the fact that we were talking about a player's uh, the fate of a player and, and what mm-hmm. happened to him and not the biggest game of the year um, that was going on in front of our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the game, as, as soon as that happened, the game just kind of felt secondary in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously we know, obviously we've had a couple of days to kind of digest it. And we know obviously what the diagnosis is, mild knee sprain listed as day to day, um, just kind of guesstimate just, and I know you're not a doctor, obviously. So, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of play doctor for a second and just kind of, when do you feel or think that, you know, coach K, cause I think they're going to be very cautious with him. Obviously they know a, he's a, he's very important and they want to, they want to make sure that he's ready to play when he's ready to play. And obviously everything that goes around with having Zion, obviously his NBA prospects and all that. So I think they're going to be extra cautious with them. So when do you see him finally making his retor- return to the court? Let's bury that right now. He is coming back. He will. Play he's coming back. back. Yeah. There's, there's no t- all the talk about him shutting it down. It's just, it's just dumb. Um, well, because well, people before, really- well, before, well, before we get into the diagnosis and sorry to mm-hmm. cut you off, but yeah. let, let, talk about, talk about that. Like talk about that. 
were you kind of rolling your eyes in the in the in the in the last couple of days with everything that's coming out as far as far as whether Zion should play and all the talking heads out there? You know, were you kind of shaking your head just like I was about the whole Zion thing? And where do you kind of stand on on the whole should he play, should he not play? It Zion should do what Zion should wants to do. That that's mm-hmm. my stance on it. And and everyone who was talking about it one way or the other. Um, was not taking that into account, especially the people who were talking about him shutting it down. This kid lo- clearly loves college. He clearly loves being with his team. He, I mean, he was one of the biggest recruiters for uh, a lot of these guys that came in on this freshman class. They all have been chatting together about wanting to play together and try and win a national championship at Duke University, not anywhere else. Um, so that's part of it. But also when you, when you just talk about the fact that there's a lot of self-serving going on in people saying that Zion should sit down, right? I'll, I'm sure Nick fans out there are, are like, this guy should <laughs> never play another second of basketball again. All Ducators are saying that too, because they don't want to see this guy come back because they know when he comes back, Duke is the best team in the country. Um, without him, that's a question mark. So uh, there's always that. But also I, I go back to previous examples. Um, we, we talk about Ben Simmons when he shut it down. Uh, a few years ago when he was at LSU. LSU didn't even make the tournament. And people yeah. said that he was selfish for shutting it down and not trying to lead a program that had not seen success pre- a lot of success previous to that to try and lead them to the NCAA tournament and play on that big stage where he could have made a lot more money. Now, obviously, he went number one. He is uh, every bit as good as people said he was going to be uh, and has proven that so far in his young NBA career. Uh, we also see Michael Porter last year uh, Michael mm-hmm. Porter Jr., he sat out for most of the year, came back um, right just before the tournament. Um, he did. I mean, obviously, Missouri didn't play well. Um, they, they, I believe they lost in the first round. But when he came back, people were like, that's a great teammate. He's coming back to see what he can do and showcase himself in the process. And now with Zion all of a sudden coming back is the worst thing that could possibly ever happen um, to, to college basketball and, and, and to basketball in general. And I think that's kind of disingenuous. So... Uh, I think, A, of course, as a Duke fan, I want Zion to come back. Uh, and I think he's going going to. They've already announced that whenever he's healthy, he's going to play. Uh, but at the end of the day, Zion has to do what is best for him. And no one was taking that into account when they were discussing all of this. And I think that's the the real sad part of it. Yeah, I mean, I and I agree with you completely that there's definitely a lot of self-serving going on, a lot of agendas being, you know, being played there. Of course, I just, I just kind of got frustrated because I, no one even knew the official diagnosis before the kid, before there, mm-hmm. there's already articles and first take and undisputed. I mean, they're debating. I'm like, we don't even know what his official diagnosis is. And, right. and you know, and after the game and kind of watching Coach K's uh, post game and everything, kind of, le- and you know, in the, in the aftermath i always i like i knew that it wasn't like ultimately serious like i knew it wasn't an acl obviously he walked off on his own power i didn't see coach k you know terribly worried about it so i so i instantly that kind of put me at at ease like okay they don't think it's like super serious it's more of just kind of hey let's just be let's be precautious here let's not let's not get crazy with it um i almost i almost bet that if this was you know maybe a you know an nba playoff game and he had to play or a seventh game i think he probably could have came back and played 
Um, I don't know that. I'm not a doctor, obviously, but you know, I, I think if it was a big enough game, maybe a national championship game, maybe he plays. I I, I kind of got that feeling that it wasn't mm-hmm. serious enough where you know this guy just can't move. Um, so yeah, I know I agree with you. I, th- I think that that was definitely a lot, a lot of a lot of agendas being fed there. Um, but I just kind of felt like it was just it was just the, the, a lot of the Duke bias or 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 hate at play i think it was a lot of people and then the thing that really frustrated me though was the nba players like oh the ncaa is bs or oh zion just quit now and no i'm like it's easy for you guys to play you guys are cashing in a eight million dollar check as we speak like right you know it, it's, it's very easy from another perspective to say what another kid should do it, it's, so i don't know i just kind of got a little frustrated but yeah it definitely it was definitely frustrating because that it it took away the talk from you know a lot of things, but really, mm-hmm. I mean, we even had to talk about the shoe and Paul George <clears throat> had to call Nike to explain the situation because it was PG two and a half that he yeah. was wearing. Like, yeah. I mean, come on now. Like Paul George was an all-star break and, and he was trying to get back to leading the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he has to call Nike to talk about his basketball shoe. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, it, it just and the whole Nike thing got way. I mean, it's it's a freak incident. I mean, sheesh. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> you know, it's not like forty five other players in the country had the same thing happen to them at the exact same time. Like, okay, mm-hmm. that would kind of raise some eyebrows, but you know, it just it just was one of those freak things. It, it literally happens like once in a blue moon. So yeah, I, I, the whole thing. But I get it. It's Zion. A lot of hype. A lot of media attention. Obviously, you saw the the resale value for these for these games. So this was a this was a this was a sporting event more so yeah. than just a game you know this is a this was a pop culture event in a lot of ways and um so i think that that was kind of par for the course the whole backlash or the whole kind of hype after the game with, with zion but um i actually before before we got a kind of got into the criticism or the, the the narrative about zion not playing i actually when did you feel like you know zion would be ready to play just kind of putting on your doctor's hat even though i know you're not a doctor um just kind of put your doctor's on, doctor hat on for a second and uh, just kind of predict or guess when do you think he'll be fully ready to go well so you know yesterday against uh, syracuse he was on the bench and mm-hmm. you know he was very active he was very animated he he was limping but he was definitely jumping around when we had good plays he was running out to greet his teammates on timeouts and and really, and and just being a, a a positive presence on the bench, and I think that gave me uh, a little bit of comfort because it seems like he's not, uh, what's the word? He's not. He, he's he's in a state where he's close. He, right. It, it was it was probably held out just as a precaution. I, looking at the schedule, I mean, we only have four regular season games left. Mm-hmm. I imagine that we're looking at either next weekend against Miami or a week from Tuesday against Wake Forest uh, as a prime time for him to come back those games are in cameron and really it's about uh, you have to think of it two ways one he you want him to be 100 percent. you want to make sure he's 100 percent. but also with regards to the team getting it, the team will at that point have become used to playing without him in a way and you have to kind of reintegrate the offense again and give him a couple weeks to uh get really to 100 where the, everyone's clicking again you want to have that and, and honestly i think uh, I guarantee you that he wants another crack at UNC. He wants to be able to play it in that game in the Dean Dome on March 10th. So I think that's really the goal here. Um, whether he comes back before then um, is anybody's guess. But really, I think the the game that I, I almost guarantee you would put money on that he will be playing in is that game at the Dean Dome because I think he wants a crack at those guys. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I kind of circled on my uh, phone here, the Wake Forest game um, on Tuesday, the 5th. Um, I, I think they'll probably play him that game. I, I think they might like I think it might be a situation where they probably don't start him. They kind of mm-hmm. ease him back slowly. Yep. Try to get him some minutes before the UNC game. I think I think I think definitely he will be back. I'm, again, I'm not a doctor. So if everything stays the same, he stays all right. Um, everything progresses well, then I think he'll definitely be back by that UNC game, the second UNC game. Um, but, I, but I'm kind of circling Wake Forest. It's a home game, last home game of the year, senior night. I, I think that that's a good game to kind of ease him back in, get him ready, get his minutes up. Um, and Wake is not good. So right, that's, that's, a, that's, nice a, that's another added bonus, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a way to get somebody to ease back into an offense against Wake Forest. Yeah. Plus, I also kind of, you know, and, and I'm just kind of scouring through Twitter that night um, and just kind of getting a lot of different perspectives. I uh, saw somebody, I can't remember the person that tweeted it, but... Um, uh, you know, Bagley last year had kind of a similar injury mm-hmm. um, and he missed, I think it was like three or four games and came back and there was no ill effects to it. So, um, you know, so I, so just kind of circling at, you know, if he misses the weight game, you know, if he comes back at the weight game, that's, that's three games missed. So maybe he might miss the weight game. So, no, but I think, I think, I think definitely one of those two games is, is, is clearly a possibility. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the UNC game because it's it's kind of a shame that in, in, in all of the Zion thing, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we had a game that was played. Um, how much how much do you want? I mean, obviously, they won yesterday um, against a tough Syracuse team who always plays as tough, especially at the, at the Carrier Dome. But um, before we kind of get into that game, you know, just how much how much attention do you pay into that loss? It was a 16 point defeat. Um, do you want to base most most of that on, you know, kind of the lull that was you know, stricken on the team by the Zion loss, or do you just kind of, there's some things that concern you with that defeat or, you know, kind of just kind of break, break down the game as a whole. Well, I mean, without Zion in the game, we had no answer for UNC in the paint. They, yeah. they scored 62 points in the paint. That's uh, a stupid number um, that should never happen in any game. And I think that was really based on just the whole shock of everything. I mean, mm-hmm. As the team learned that Zion wasn't coming back, as the crowd learned that Zion wasn't coming back, that just took the wind out of everything in Cameron. So uh, I I attribute it to be and and UNC wasn't faced. They they went out, they played a great game. Um, they shot the ball well inside. Uh, they were terrible from three pointer. But when you when you have sixty two points in the paint, it doesn't really matter. Um, and, and they had no answer for like Cam Johnson, Luke May, um, those type of guys. So. That's something that it's it's not necessarily concerning, but uh, it takes solace in the fact that the next day after that game, factoring in a, a game with a team without Zion Williamson, they still had Duke as the uh, number one overall seed in, in the tournament if it were to start on Thursday. So I, I think that what they're saying is, yeah, we get it. It was it was a fluke game, a fluke, a freak injury happened. And that really was the reason that they lost by so much and it was a shock to the system. So uh, I think you saw with the team against Syracuse, they learned how to play without Zion a little bit inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they knuckled down on that part of the, of the game in perspective. So I think that really gives me comfort um, that this team can adapt. We adapted uh, for a game without Trey Jones. We lost him during that last Syracuse game. The next game we had on the agenda was UVA and we ended up winning that game without him. Um, so we've learned how to win without our stars, but the, the, the games that we have had, we've only had one full strength loss. That was that game back in November against Gonzaga. And that was yeah. after three games in three days. So yeah. I, I, I feel comfortable about where we are, even without Zion in the lineup, we just got to knock, you just got to tighten up on some things. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, 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 um, 
I agree with you. I, the only thing that would concern me is just kind of the, you know, it's it's interesting with this team, you know, as we've watched them all year, their shooting is kind of come and gone. You know, they have mm-hmm. great games where they shoot really well and they have other games where they go completely cold. There's really no in between with them. <laughs> so that's the, kind of the interesting part. And I thought that game, they just shot horribly. Uh, Jack White really, really struggled. Um, you know, Ty, you know, uh, Trey just really, really, really struggled with the shot. So I, I think that was the one thing that would concern me about that game is just kind of the defense and the paint. Now, a lot of that had to do with Zion, obviously not being there, but just still 62 points and 62. I don't, you know, it's still. Yeah, that's, it's still a high number. Yeah. Still a high number. Um, and then just the lack of shooting. I, although I thought that game really turned at the end, at that sequence at the end of the first half where, you know, they were down by eight. Um I think they had the ball twice in a fast break and they, you know, either turnovers or they just missed shots. And then right at the end there, UNC was able to get an easy basket. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, and, and who knows, maybe if Duke converts there, it's a six, you know, it's a six point or a five point game that completely changes the tide of that game going into the half. But, you know, UNC was able to kind of get their, their wits about them and, and score and make that a 10, a 10 point lead going into the halftime. And I thought that really kind of changed the game. I thought it, I thought it allowed UNC to kind of k- catch their breath because UNC was leaking water there late in the half. I mean, mm-hmm. UNC was starting to kind of lose it there. The crowd was getting into it a little bit. I think the players kind of like, okay, let, let, you know, let, they were kind of snapping out of the malaise there a little bit. Um, and that was a big sequence there. It was, a, you know, it really was a four point swing um, that, that really, really kind of hurt them. And I thought the second half UNC just did a really good job of just keeping their foot on the gas. So, yeah. And, and on that, I, I think there was like maybe six or seven times during the game, especially in that last four to five minutes of the first half that you mentioned, mm-hmm. where we would, you know, against Louisville, when we had our comeback, we, we started stealing the ball and, Everything was going our way. Whenever a ball was a 50-50 ball, we would get it. If there was a ball that was thrown into a passing lane, we would grab it and we would go and we were being able to capitalize on that. It seemed like we were doing that against UNC, but the the bounces of the ball, like we tapped the ball to, to steal it and it would bounce right. off two guys and land in the hands of a UNC player. And then they would score five seconds later and it just kills everything. Like we had six or seven of those where we had a great rebound or we had a you know a, a, an attempted steal where the ball was just bouncing around and the luck of the draw 50 50 just landed in the hands of a unc player and it killed the momentum that we would get from that uh good play so that was definitely something that occurred uh, more and more often during the unc game and just kind of every single time we tried to make a run something would happen and and all of a sudden the, the lead was 10 again and you just kind of lost the momentum from there yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It just kind of, it just kind of felt like that was their their stretch. You know, as you know, you've been watching basketball almost your whole life, so you, you know how this goes. It's, there's moments in games where you know everything could kind of turn on a dime, and I just kind of felt like right at the end of the half, there, it's just it was just our moment there to really make a comeback, to really make a run there, and it just it just got away from us there. So that was the frustrating part because I, 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 you know. You look at a 16-point victory and you look at the points in the pain and Cam Johnson and Luke May really had a dominant game. But I don't think UNC really played that well. You know, I thought two guys really went off, but UNC didn't really play that well. Um, Kobe White didn't have a great game. Uh, they didn't really shoot the wall, ball well from the perimeter. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because when has there ever been a UNC Duke game where the, the game was actually kind of secondary or even thirdly? <laughs> you know, it just kind of felt like Zion's injury, Zion sitting out, you know, Nike and their shoe controversy. And then it was like, oh, yeah, Duke and UNC played a game. So I think a lot of the analysis of the game kind of kind of went by the wayside yeah absolutely and 
I feel like it was a typical game in that sense where, you know, UNC game, I feel like you expect to have, you know, it's still going to be uh team shoot 20% from the floor. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone's, everyone's clanging threes and there's turnovers all over the place. Everyone's nervous. And somehow it's like a four or five point ball game in the end. Uh, it, it happens every time, except for this time, there was one guy who was not in the court and it was so conspicuous that it overshadowed everything. I, I think that's just kind of why this game was a little weirder than others. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so did you like some of the adjustments that they made, uh, especially with yesterday's game in you know dealing with life without Zion? Um, they started Alex McConnell, Alex O'Connell. Um, they sat Jack White. Um, obviously, they ripped up Joey Baker's uh, red shirt. I thought that was interesting <laughs> as well. Uh, did you like some of the adjustments that Coach K made uh, going into uh, last night's game? Uh, I, I we'll start with Joey Baker because that was perplexing to me um, to to see him appear on the court for uh, to basically end his red shirt um, was kind of an interesting move. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think I've seen him explain why uh, Joey played, but it, I mean, I was talking uh, earlier with uh, my co-hosts on the podcast and they were, you know, one of them was saying it's basically due to the fact that he might be just tearing it up in practice. And coach K said, this is your moment. This is your time. We're going to put you in this game. And, and mm-hmm. it, he didn't come off the bench saying with a look that says, Oh my God, what are we doing? He came off the tournament saying, I, 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 he knew the game plan. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, he didn't appear that much. He was only in for five minutes, but uh, that seemed perplexing to all of us except for the guys on that bench. So I guess in that sense, it's okay. Um, because as long as they're cool with it uh, and everyone's on the same page, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I, Alex O'Connell stepped up in a huge way against Syracuse. Uh, 20 points. He, The three-point shooting that we, we've been talking about that's been missing, he had it. Um, the rest of the team didn't, but he did. Uh, and, and that was... Um, that was still really good because he came in in key moments, had bas- big baskets that mm-hmm. either staved off a Syracuse uh, run or allowed us to go on a run of our own, especially early on in the second half. So that was a very welcome change. And with Jack White, he's been struggling lately. Um, yeah, there have been yeah. games where his game, where his defense has been there, and, and he's blocked a lot of shots. He's grabbed rebounds, and his efforts always there. It's just that he hasn't made a, a three pointer since Florida State, which. Seems like you know how ages long ago. ago, yeah, ages ago, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So he like every t- and and it's not like he's taking bad shots. He's taking you know open three pointers from the corner, from the wing, mm-hmm. and they're just not going in. And it's I don't know what the issue is with them, but uh, I think holding him out yesterday may not necessarily. I know the team has been battling the flu. Uh, it's been for the last like it seems to be like a month and a half. Guys one by one have collected have collected the flu. Uh, on the team. So maybe he was sick. We don't know. Um, but also maybe it was just a matchup deal where coach K said, we need to have some three point shooting and Jack, you're not it tonight. And, and that's why offensively you're on the floor. So um, that might be the issue, but it, some of the rotations led to uh, some good performances, like, uh, like in the case of Alex O'Connell. Yeah, I, it was a, it was a welcome sight. Definitely seeing Alex O'Connor and I get frustrated with Alex O'Connell because it's like, man, he'll have those games where he'll shoot the lights out of the ball and then he'll just go on a four or five game slump where he just doesn't do anything. And it's just really frustrating because I, th- I think mm-hmm. he's one of I think he's an X factor. I really do. I've always I've always liked him and I've always felt like he's an X factor on this team. You know, he gives us a much needed you know, shooter from the perimeter, a guy that could catch and shoot, you know, he's got a little bit of a playmaking ability as well. Um, so I, I think they need him, you know, and and those two guys are very important, O'Connell and, and White, you know, because the one criticism that I've had about Coach K, especially in this, you know, this last couple of years with, the, with these runs of, you know, these, these, 
big time recruits is this his lack of developing a bench. Um, and I think it's hurt us in some, you know, in, in a lot of, in a lot of other years, I think it hurt us last year. I think it hurt us a couple years ago. Um, you know, there's a lack of a, a bench depth, you know, and I think that's definitely important this year because you're going to have games where, you know, especially now that Zion's dealing with this knee issue, you know, you, you know, you, you know, even when he comes back, you know, you're going to think that you're not going to, you know, unless he's just totally healthy, obviously, but, you know, you could think that he's going to have some time and he's going to have, you know, get a blow. So Jack White's going to be important. You know, O'Connell's going to be important. You know, they ripped up Joey Baker's red shirt for, for a reason. So, you know, having him as a playmaker and a shooter and a guy who could kind of get to the rim, you know, that he's going to be important. So I think developing that depth on the bench is going to be very, very important for the rest of the season with this team. Yeah, and I mean, if you've noticed in previous years, by this point in the season, like Duke is down to like a six or seven person yeah, rotation. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, if you think about it, off the bench we have uh, Javon Delorier or or Marquise Bolden, whichever one doesn't start. Uh, you now have uh, Alex O'Connell, Jack White, uh, jo- Gold- Jordan Goldwire didn't you know play much uh, this week, but you know has been uh, one of the guys who helped us during the comeback against Louisville, so he's featured. Uh, you, you now have Joey Baker in this rotation. So we're up to, you know, 10 guys, 11 guys, which is very unlike Coach K. Uh, what that means is he understands that when one of these freshmen go down, that this team is a different team. And he wants mm-hmm. to make sure that everyone is confident going into the tournament that when it, when called upon, they can shine. Just like Grayson Allen did back in 2015. He was very little used during that season. And then in the last part of the season, Coach K said, the floor is yours. Go get them. And, and mm-hmm. on the grandest stage, he he lit up the night and helped us win the national championship. Which one of those guys is going to be? Is it going to be? Can Alex O'Connell step up in the tournament when we need shooting? Can Jack White get off of you know his little slump that he's had? Uh, it's not even a little slump at this point. Can you know Javon Delorier and Marquise Bolden continue to provide defense? And can Joy Baker be a guy that can step up when needed and hit a couple of big big uh, shots? So. These guys now have to learn what it's like to play uh, in these big time environments because at this point, every game is a big game going forward. And Goldwire has shown some flashes too. You know, I yeah, really like absolutely. what I've seen from him. You know, he's, he's you know he, you know he's a tough little defender. Um, another another ball handler out there. You know, he can kind of give Trey a blow here and there. So you know, even Goldwire, he's 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 performed well. You know, I think he had a you know he, I think he kind of came into the you know to the center of attention really after that Louisville game where he kind of provided a provided a spark. So you know, I, I think it's going to be very important to get these guys you know a, a, a fixed role on the team and, and get them playing well because I think we're going to definitely need them especially come tournament time absolutely and and jordan's defense is going to be something that's needed especially Mm -hmm. with the uh with the pressure defense that he and trey jones can put together at stretches that really frustrates teams and gets us into a a little grind where we can you know pump out a lot of points in a quick fashion so i I think that's going to be uh something to watch as he as we move forward some of these matchups but really when it comes down to it the 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 three-point shooting, we have three-point shooting, we have great rebounding, uh, we have excellent defense, we have excellent inside-the-paint presence. If one of those falters, what we need something to step up. Whether if so, if we are you know don't have the defensive effort, then we need to step up with three-pointers. If we don't have three-pointers, we have to step it up in every other air arena to really be a successful basketball team. And all of these guys play a key factor in one or more of those areas. So I think that's really the key. If these guys can, you know develop and make sure that they're ready come tournament time we're going to be the best team in the country and we're going to be a team that no one wants to face because they even when one of the one of the shooters uh, uh that start 
is not having a good night, they're going to have to fear someone coming off the bench and ruining their day. Absolutely. Um, you know, where were you early in this year, you know, in the off season and coming into this season where you, you know, I don't know how much you follow high school ball, but you know, how high are you, how high were you on these recruits coming in? Obviously you hear all the buzz and the hype and, you know, I don't know how much did you get to watch all of them play individually in high school or kind of follow their, their, their track. Um, but you know, were you super excited that, that these guys kind of, you know, exceed the expectations that you had going in for them? coming into the season? Yeah. So usually for high school recruiting, I don't really follow it as much until they're in the final stages. Like I know the big recruits, I know <laughs> how they play. I've, I've probably, I used to watch them play a lot, but in it's, it's tricky, right? When you're, when you're a, a huge supporter of the team, when you start following guys on Twitter or just like commenting on different players, I, I never wanted to be misconstrued uh, that I'm a booster or anything like that, even though I, I, I am, very much not. But as a as an alum, we technically all are. So uh, I, I'm always careful of that. But when it comes to like Zion Williamson, obviously I had seen the YouTube highlights. I had known about him since he was in eighth grade um, and, and, you know, following his high school career and just the, you know, the YouTube sensation that he was. I, I did not know that he was just Thanos in real life uh, when it comes <laughs> to the rest of his game. <laughs> so, I, I mean, yeah, everyone went on when you're looking on YouTube at some of these highlights, even RJ Barrett, um, I had seen him play for team Canada. And that was when I got to see, wow, this guy's a very well-rounded player um, that can really be a, a good, good addition for us. Cam Reddish, I knew he could shoot well, but I didn't know Zion could do anything other than, you know, dunk very well. Um, and, and that is really where YouTube kind of failed everybody is because they kind of, said, oh, this guy's just a dunker. He's very much not. He's one of the best players I've ever seen in college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been impressed with him too, his overall game, you know, and even his shot. You know, a lot of people make a lot of, you know, a lot of issue about his shooting, but I don't think his shot is broken. I don't think his shooting is an issue as much as people make it out to be. I think he's got a good form. I think he's got it. I think he's got the ability to become a very good shooter in the next level, at the next level. So, you know, even the shooting, which is, I think a lot of people make a lot to do about nothing with, I don't think he attempts a lot of shots from the perimeter, but when he does, I don't think he's looked awful doing it. I know I think yeah. he's only shooting, I think he's only shooting 29% from the field or from, from three, but you know, I think he's only had what, maybe five or six or seven attempts. So it's very, very small sample size. I, I've been very, I've been immensely impressed with, with Zion. The guy that has shocked me and how good he is, is Trey. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I knew Trey had the ability, obviously he's in, you know, he's got the pedigree, but how good he is, especially defensively. I mean, Oh my God, the guy is a monster defensively. I mean, he just plays the passing well, so well, he's a good on ball defender, a good help defender as well. I mean, he's, just, he's got an ability to be, you know, an all NBA defender at the next level. If he continues to develop, uh, when it comes to when it comes to Trey, it's a, it's a special situation because we knew who his brother was. You know, Tyus is a legend in Duke circles for what he did back in 2015. So when someone says, "Hey, uh, Trey is basically Tyus but better on defense," we were basically like, "Okay, cool. We're we're winning every basketball game because Tyus is is that was that good in college." And uh, with Trey, he has been that way on defense. I think when it comes to the next level. His defense is going to keep him in ball games. He's going to have to in, in, improve on his shooting, uh, his mm-hmm. perimeter shooting. Which I mean, if you're a point guard, you're, he's he's also a great passer. I mean, you know, his assist to turnover ratio is one of the best uh, in college basketball history right now. So 
Um, that is something that you, he will have no problem, you know, being on a team where someone's like, Hey, we have a bunch of stars, just pass the ball to him and get out of the way. Uh, but when it comes to being on the court in, in the next level, he's going to have to improve on his shooting. Um, that's going to be his perimeter shooting, especially he, he's good inside. He can drive the lane. He can dish. He can play defense. That's the last part of his game that needs to round out. And, and, you know, he's had a struggle of it this year, but there's definitely been times where if you leave, leave him open, uh, just like you said with Zion, his form is pure. Um, it, you know, some of these bats are going to go in and if Trey starts hitting threes, then that's just going to take the pressure off of everybody else. Yeah. Uh, especially Cam and RJ uh, on the perimeter. If Trey starts hitting threes, the, the teams are just going to freak out because they're going to like, that's the last guy we, you know, on the, on the floor that can hit threes. If he's hitting them, then we're, we're pretty much screwed. So uh, that's what, that's what Trey brings to the table. And really we found out when he got injured that he is the, the most valuable player on the team yeah. because without him, our defense is shot. And that is a big, big deal. Uh, especially when you get into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was also before kind of Goldwire kind of stepped up and 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 you know showed his value to this team. I mean, remember he, you know, when he went out, you know, they had RJ playing the point. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's 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 uh, he's the most important player on the team. Absolutely. I, I think yeah. obviously Zion, you can you could argue Zion or RJ as being the most important or the best, but you know, Trey is definitely the most important player. He makes us go, he takes us to another level. Um the other, but but I've always said this, even this year, that I thought the X factor to this team was going to be Cam Reddish. You know, it, you know, and it's interesting because Cam kind of struggled the first, you know, first third of the year, kind of struggled with his role on the team, you know, because really, you know, he's a guy that was was used to being the man in high school. And now he comes into a situation where he's the third option. And a lot of situations he was put in a, in a role where he was kind of a spot up shooter. So he really had to kind of adjust his game. And, and that happens a lot when you have these these team ups of a lot of great players. You know, there's always going to be someone that has to kind of, you know, alter their game and alter their role of sorts so i think that was that guy was cam for but but i really like the way he's played over the last month or so really over the last couple games really since kind of the louisville comeback where he's really kind of taking his game to the next level and if he continues to play like this um i really think we're unbeatable yeah and you have to also recall florida state i mean yeah not only won the game for us but he was great throughout that game so um that is uh yeah you're right he when he shoots well we play well when he shoots poorly we have to figure out another way to win uh and when he's when he's efficient i mean the other night against unc he not only was shooting the ball pretty decently but he was efficient in doing it he wasn't taking terrible shots he wasn't trying to force anything uh and, and he was getting to the rim as well as as shooting a couple of threes so i appreciate that and when he can do that that's when we see the player that we thought we were getting in you know the number two recruit in the country. If you remember, RJ was number one, Cam was number two, and Zion was number three, three. in yeah. this class. So um, yeah, I mean, they're all they're all proving their worth. But uh, with Cam especially, if he can hit threes again, the last you know area of 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 where we need to improve. If we're hitting threes, we are killing everybody in in college basketball because no one can stop us if we can do that of all the teams that you've seen play uh this year and i i assume you watch a lot of college basketball outside mm-hmm. of duke as well you know what's the one team that would concern you come tournament time what's the one team that you think that you know can kind of give duke a run you know and it doesn't have to just be one team you know it could be multiple but what's the what's the one or two teams that you really would concern yourself with if you're a duke fan that like okay this team is going to be tough to take out 
Uh, I, I think, you know, Kentucky improving as they have is, is not necessarily cause for concern, but it's definitely something to watch out for because, uh, yeah, we beat them by 38 in the first game of the season, but very rarely do you get a second crack uh, and, and do the exact same thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even with UVA, we've played them twice. I expect to play them in the ACC tournament if if both teams perform the way they're supposed to. We're going to see them in in the semifinal or the final, absolutely. So those type of teams are always tough outs. And Gonzaga, Gonzaga hasn't gone anywhere uh, since they beat us. Uh, they, they've just been performing steadily. Of course, they're on the West Coast, and people don't really talk about them. Um, but they're still a really good basketball team, and they're the only team that's really beat us at full strength. So they obviously, you know, it. it you know, of course, it took them shooting like ninety eight percent from from yeah. everything to, <laughs> yeah. to beat us. But yeah. I think. Those sort of teams are teams that when you get to it, you know, they're going to be here in the end. And we have to figure out ways to beat these teams. The ACC is a great primer for the NCAA tournament. We are facing a great team every single game in and out um, of this conference. And everyone is playing each other. Everyone's beating each other. And, and this team, this this conference is very strong. And for us to, I think we want to be able to win the ACC. We haven't done that since 2011. Uh, we want to win the ACC tournament. We haven't done that in a long time. I think Coach K really wants us, uh, this team, to be able to put not one banner up, but multiple banners. And if included in that would be uh, winning the best conference in America, uh, both in the regular season and in the tournament. That would be a, quite an accomplishment for this young group of players. And I Absolutely. think that's something that Coach yeah. K is really, really trying to do it and bring home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one team I'm, I'm with you, Gonzaga really scares me because Gonzaga matches up with us from a size mm-hmm. perspective. And I think they also have the shooting that could, that could affect us in a big spot. Um, I'm not as worried as about UVA as you are just because I, I, the thing, the issue that I have with UVA sometimes is that I, I don't, although they're better this year and from what I've seen, they're better. I, I still think in a big spot, they still struggle to score way too much for me. You know, they, they, they still are one of those teams that in a big spot, in a big moment where they need a shot, where they need a guy to take over. Sometimes I think they still kind of go cold from that department. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that would, you know, that's the one area to me that I think it's 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 stopping them from going to the next level. Um, you know, Kentucky, I, I like Kentucky, but I, I'm I'm not as, as concerned with Kentucky, although they have played well. P.J. Washington's really come on and become a, a national player of the year candidate. Um so Kentucky, I mean, I think Kentucky's always in the mix. Um, Tennessee's size would concern me because, you know, just their physicality. But Tennessee just struggles from the field too much. You know, yeah. they just don't have a lot of offense. And, you know, they get it. They, you know, and I think to beat Duke, you're going to have to match up with their athleticism and their size. And I think that you're going to have to beat them on offense. You know, you're not going to you're not going to slow down Duke defensively mo- most times and not. You're just you're going to have to score to beat us. And um, those are the teams that would concern me. Gonzaga would concern me. Um, I, I honestly, I think it's, I, I really believe that I think it's going to be a battle between Gonzaga, Duke, and I would say Michigan for who wins the national championship right now for me. Yeah. Um, Michigan's a great team that, you know, Michigan state has also been good for a lot of the season, but both teams have struggled lately and it's, it's been kind yeah. of perplexing. And if you're, if you're a fan of either school, because they're, they're doing against teams that they should be destroying and they're, and they're just very much not, I wonder if it's, if it's something about the. Uh, motivation or if it's something about just the fact that something's off. I haven't really paid as much attention Mm -hmm. uh, to them as I have in in previous years. But uh, I think when it comes to especially Michigan, Michigan definitely has the players um, that can that can run, uh, make another run like they did last year. Uh, But for them, they need to be able to 
play defense. And, and, and when they, cause sometimes they just take nights off and, and early in the season, they were able to ride that to some victories and, and still be able to compensate for that. But lately they just haven't been, but as the games get, uh, you know, closer to March, these games get, you know, bigger and bigger and, and, you know, they're playing right now against Michigan state. Will they be able to play defense against some of these teams when, the, when it counts? Yeah. Uh, just wanted to get into you. And, and you, you mentioned that uh, you're a Duke alum, just, just share your, share your, your time at Duke, just everything that you kind of experienced and, and, and dealt with, just talk about life at Duke. Cause it's very rarely that you get a guy that actually has gone to Duke, knows the life, knows the culture, um, has been around the basketball program, has been around the football program. Just kind of talk to me about your whole experience as a whole at Duke and just kind of everything that you, you learned and, and just the, the, the overall experience of it. It was great. I, I, I loved every second of it. Um, you know, my best friend's, um, were people I went to school with, that I lived with, that I interacted with. Uh, I, I am part of uh, the greatest class in Duke basketball, and in, in not just Duke basketball history, in Duke history, uh, the class of 2004. Um, I dare anybody out there to challenge me on that because they will be absolutely wrong. Um, Oquad is the best, and we have our 15-year reunion, so I want to give them uh, a special shout-out uh, for Go that. Go ahead, shout them out, man, shout them out. Yeah, those are my people, uh, Oquad. <laughs> Um, but I, I think, you know, being at Duke was, is more, it's, I'll, I'll give you a background of a story, uh, that I tell people about, you know, going to Duke and, and how I ended up going to Duke. Um, I got into Michigan, uh, and, and growing up, I was trained to go to Michigan. I was bred, uh, a Michigan fan. My first sporting event was a Michigan football game. I was very much in the, in that circle. Um, mm-hmm. and going to, uh, Michigan was, was a dream of mine. And, uh, I got in full scholarship and my dad was basically like my, my son's in college. You got a full scholarship. This, this college process is over. Uh, we did it. We made it. Um, and I applied to Duke, um, after visiting, uh, I, my parents, uh, my mom and my brother and I took a trip and visited like 10 different colleges, uh, in the East. Cause that's basically where we went to end up. And, uh, we visited Duke and UNC and my mom was basically like, you're not applying to both pick one. And when I visited Duke's campus, it was so beautiful. The, the, the courses they offered were great. Obviously, uh, it's one of the best schools in the country. At the time, it was, I think it was uh, second or third in, in uh, U.S. News uh, rankings. And, you know, so obviously I was like, this is a good school. If I get in, uh, it has the balance of being a, an excellent, bas- uh, excellent uh, uh, academic school and excellent at sports uh, and, and something to kind of latch on to. So I applied to Duke. Uh, I had already gotten into Michigan and I finally got into Duke. So my dad was like, that's fine. You're still going to Michigan. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, they, they have a, they have an admitted program uh, where admitted students could come down and see the campus uh, and, and take a look before they make their final decisions. And so I went down uh, and I tell, I joke with my dad sometimes that the worst mistake he's ever made is that he sent my mom uh, with me down to this, uh, they call blue devil days and not him coming himself uh, because I fell in love with the school that weekend. Um, I, I absolutely loved everything about it. I, you know, had dreams of, instead of dreams of uh, going to Michigan Stadium, I had dreams of walking into Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, and and as I left, um, my mom asked if this was the place I wanted to be. And I unequivocally said yes, without hesitation. And we dropped off the uh, admittance uh, uh, deposit before we left because we knew if I had gotten home, my dad would try to talk me out of it. <laughs> uh, so I, I had the, the nice news of going home and telling my dad that he 
was now a blue devil um, because his money was sitting in the overnight deposit box uh, at uh, Duke admissions. So uh, I, I joke with that because, you know, not only I say that because Duke has become our family. Um, right. it, it, my dad and my mom watch Duke games. Uh, sometimes they're, they're trying to beat me to it. They're always asking me about Duke games or we're always talking basketball. My dad watches, you know, I get my sports fandom from him. Um, and, you know, we talk sports all the time, but we talk about Duke basketball all the time. And, and that is become our life. And, and, you know, meeting some of the people that they have there, some of the nicest people, some of the smartest people you will ever meet um, exist on this campus. A lot of the things that go on in this world uh, probably have a blue devil behind it somewhere. Um, grinding the grinding the wheels so that this, you know, thing that becomes so natural to us can happen. And and I really appreciate every minute of it. I, I go back to Durham often. Being in D.C., I'm only four hours away, uh, so it's easy to drive down for basketball and football games. And mind you, I, I worked on the football team. I was a video assistant, and we did not win a single solitary <laughs> game my first two years. Um, that is a lot of stupid film that I had to edit and, and, <laughs> and really ask coaches if they actually wanted to see it. Um, they, and thankfully... They want to see every second of it. But now that they're a, a decent program um, with with Cutcliffe uh, at the helm, uh, we've gone to new heights, the things uh, of we would never thought we would have seen uh, when I first stepped foot. And, and that first football game, I still remember it vividly, being just pummeled by ECU to now the first football game of next season. We're going to be in Atlanta facing Alabama. And no one's saying that we're going to get blown out. They're saying that we have a chance in that game, and which is astounding to me. So that sort of tying into that, being invested in that, and, and just really supporting that from near and far um, has been something that's been a dream um, since I've been here. And, and the new dream has become a reality and, and it's come true. And I think that is what a lot of people who go to Duke will tell you is that Duke is Duke is just the gothic we call the gothic wonderland for a reason because when you're there it's it feels like that but when you leave you can't wait to go back you can't wait to relive that every single time you step foot on that campus so i'm going back next weekend uh when awesome. he takes on miami um i also ironically went to miami for law school um so uh my miami friends will be talking a lot of crap that weekend but <laughs> uh, there's no place i'd rather be is is back on duke's campus to watch that team play and really just relive my college experience every single time I'm down. Yeah. I saw that you went to Miami. So how was the experience with that? You know, just kind of compare the two, you know, Miami obviously being, having the legacy of being a great football school and everything, mm -hmm. the tradition that they've established there. And then obviously Duke being the powerhouse that it is with basketball, just kind of compare the two universities. A lot of people have mentioned that Miami's kind of the, the Harvard of the South or the, the Duke of the South, you know, it depends on who, who you're talking to, but mm -hmm. you know, Miami's a kind of a similar school academically and, and just kind of everything that they have to so just compare the life and 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 the, the two schools and that and both experiences there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's when I considered Miami, I found a lot of qualities that I loved about Duke in Miami, and that's why I ended up going there. The from the small campus, like people don't realize that with Duke and Miami, both these schools are about fifteen thousand undergrads, which is very very small when it comes to Division One athletics. I mean, you're talking about you know Michigan on the other hand is like forty thousand. Uh, right. undergraduates and and these two schools have like 15,000 total students um, at the school. So I, I found that to be great. Um, obviously being in Miami, um, you know, people think about what they do in spring break. Just imagine that for three years. Um, <laughs> but also you have to go to school on top of it. It learned, you know, I learned a lot at Miami. I have a lot of great friends in Miami. Some of my, again, some of my best friends, my closest friends 
uh, are, are people I chat with every day, are people who went to Miami with me for law school. Uh, I ended up wanting to move back. I, I missed seasons. I'm from I'm from I'm from outside Detroit. I like snow. Um, Miami gets zero of it. So uh, I wanted to move back north, um, and that's why how I ended up in D.C. Uh, but while I was down there, I loved the school. Um, I, I kind of grew tired of being uh, being. You kind of have to be on call uh, in a sense when you're in Miami because whenever anyone visits, as, as I'm sure you know, if you've been to Miami, you go down. You want to go hard. Um, mm-hmm, you're going hard yeah. for three days, and you're yeah. leaving. Yeah. And we, for me, it was just a constant ending, you know, constant rotation of three day, you know, people, people coming down for three days and wanting to just go hard the entire time. And the only constant was me. So um, yeah. that that turns out to be tiring in a while. But I again, I loved Miami. I, 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 I enjoyed living there. I thought it was a good experience. I love going back. Um, I still have friends down there. Um, I go down to visit. Uh, I try to go down once a year to visit. Uh, so it is definitely a place where I get to go back and do the things that all my friends bestowed upon me when I when they came to visit me when I lived down there, uh, which is to party hard for a few days and and really take in uh, Miami for for what it is. So uh, I definitely miss the school. Um, the school was great, and uh, it, it definitely was something that I considered uh, in part based on my Duke experience, and I got basically a similar experience out of it. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about, uh, your time with the Duke football program. Um, obviously Duke notoriously for a long time, as long as I, I can remember until recently, Duke was kind of a laughingstock as far as football, you know, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's interesting because you look at the, the, the heights of the basketball program and then you compare it to Duke football. And I've always kind of felt like Duke football's had the opportunity or at least the potential to be better than what it was. You know, and, I'm, and of course, you could say that about any program, but you know, I've always kind of felt like Duke had that potential to be that. So, just talk to me about kind of the growing pains you you've seen it firsthand, just being a part of that football program to seeing where it is now. Um, just kind of talk to me about that whole situation. I, I say this without hesitation. There is no team that I am more proud of than the Duke University football team. That 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 team from again, like I said, my first football game was a thirty-eight nothing blasting uh, by ECU. In in a monsoon in the heart of August, where it was 90 degrees, muggy, and a hurricane was barreling down us like that <laughs> sort of rain. And on top of that, we had to watch them just get absolutely destroyed by a team that should not have been on the same field as us. And to go from there to, again, being trying to make plans to go to Atlanta to watch my team play Alabama to open up college football is nothing short of a miracle to me. Um, being on the team, I was a video guy, so I I recorded practices. I helped. Uh, I didn't record games, but I helped run the tapes between um, the cameramen and the the cutting room so that they could be edited. And I helped with the editing process for um, uh, for the practices um, as well as the games, so that the coaches could look at it afterwards. And it was back when the systems were first coming into play where you could, you know, call up different plays by name and you could see how, you know, how that was running practice, how it was running games and see all the sets and see what was different. And you can use that to help guide your team. Um, Obviously, for the first two years, it did not work um, because we didn't win a game. But now with Coach Cutcliffe, he's really turned this program around. He has um, he's made everyone a believer. And, you know, where I used to beg uh uh, friends to come to football games. I don't have to do that anymore. Um, you know, f- people want to go to the games. Students want to go to the games. And when you see such a turnaround like that, it really makes you smile. The the one thing I will also note is that a lot of times when you see a program make a turnaround like that, 
Um, you see some of the older players, the players that were part of that disastrous part. Right. Um, they a little hint of jealousy at the fact that the these these new kids quote got it so good. I don't see that with with former Duke players um, who have been through the program. They are just as excited as I am, if not happier. Um, about the success that we are having as a football program right now. The bowl games are, are still things that we don't take for granted. We, we've gone, you know, five of the last six years. We've won the last couple, uh, our last three um, bowl games that we've been in. And, and those sort of things are still things we don't take for granted. We celebrate them like some teams celebrate conference titles. When we made that conference title game in 2013, I was on top of the world. You could not tell me nothing. <laughs> but at the same time, you couldn't tell the players anything either. Those former players, so many of those guys were just over the moon at the fact that they were part of something that even, you know, when when the coaches back in the day were telling them, yes, this is a struggle, but we're building something. We're building something. And to see that pay off, um, even if it was by players that, it, that they weren't able to directly uh, be responsible for it, they all felt like they played a part in it. And I think that's the most endearing thing about Coach Cutcliffe's staff and the program that he's built is that he does not shy away from the past. He embraces it. He brings those players in. He keeps them in the fold. And he makes them feel a part of something special that is being that is brewing right now. And I think that is the best endearing quality about this program and why I love it so much. Dope, man. That's really dope. Uh, did you get to interact much with, I know you, I'm sure you probably got to interact a lot with coach Cutcliffe, but did you interact much with coach K in your time there? How approachable is he? How kind of in, involved is, you know, I know, you, you know, a lot of programs, the coach is there, but he's not really a part of the community or a part of the the life at the, on campus, but you know, how, how involved is coach K in everyday life and just kind of how approachable is he just kind of, you know, just give me a little rundown on coach K. Yeah. I had, I got to, uh, meet with him a few times and uh i never got to go up to schwartz butters i actually did once but i never got to meet with him uh in his office but he you know when i was the the mayor shesheskivo we called the headline monitor but you basically is the guy who run uh runs 10 city um uh, outside mm-hmm. uh, for the dqnc game i was fortunate enough to do that my senior year um still easily the greatest achievement i did at duke i did nothing else other than if I did nothing else, that was the one thing I, I will put on my resume uh, for life was to, that I led that. But, you know, he was very involved in that in the sense that he he came up to me the day I got, you know, elected or got got selected to run it and basically said, whatever you need from me, let me know. And I'm thinking, OK, cool, whatever. That's a I appreciate that coach. But it, it, he he has bigger fish to fry. He's trying to run a basketball team. He's not trying to worry about what, you know. 1300 you know duke students are doing out in the cold uh, from time to time but he he did care he he would come by um and there'd be times where i'd be out in shishevskyville and and just kind of hanging out and overseeing everything and he would sneak up on me he'd tap me on the shoulder and be like hey what do you you know do you guys need anything is everybody everything good give me an update he was very concerned about the uh the the not just the the health of the students but also the the psyche the the whole um he was worried. He wanted to make sure that everyone was having fun. He wanted to make sure that people were excited about the game. And, and obviously, when you look at Kville, you see a whole thing of tents ready for one game. Um, you note the excitement. And, and he was able to come out and, and from time to time, he would uh, confide in me and say, hey, you know, I, I got pizza. I'm going to send. Do you think I should come out and say something? Do you think we should send the guys out? And, you know, he would give us whatever we needed to make sure that we were ready on the day of the UNC game to support our team 
with all the breath in our body. And, and that is, um, you know, and it's not just me that has said that, you know, a lot of, you know, people over the years have talked about the generosity that he has and the time that he spends on things that are not dealing with basketball um, to make sure that life on campus is great. And, and I think that is uh, one of the best things about Coach K, the man um, that people don't get to see, that he is someone that really genuinely cares about student life uh, and is willing to do things uh, that need to be done to to help keep kids happy. So uh, I appreciated him for that. It, he really helped me out when I was in charge. Uh, and I know he's helped out uh, other headline monitor sets. Awesome. Awesome. Sorry, we're going to get to the rapid fire portion of this. Uh, okay. So uh, we'll start with this. Uh, what's the best Duke game that you've attended to in person ever? The best Duke game I've attended in person uh, it's not, I'm sorry, this is not rapid fire, but this is a, uh, this is a great story. Um, in Go the ahead. end, um, uh, this was the last game, um, of my senior year against UNC, uh, the game that I've been talking about. Um, Donald Trump happened to be there. Um, and <laughs> we share a name, um, a first name and a group of students at, they, they had pointed him out and he was standing about 10 feet away from me. And a, a group of ch- kids started chanting, our Donald's better and pointing at me and he got about say maybe a third of the section to do that. Um, that is easily the greatest cheer I've ever heard. Um, I, I think those kids don't realize how much that meant at the time and how much it still means uh, given situations. Um, but it, it, it's definitely to see Trump's face looking at like, who is this other Donald? And I'm looking back at him as <laughs> to say, sorry, bro, you're in my house. Um, that is, <laughs> there's nothing better than that. So that last game and obviously going out, uh, beating UNC in your final game as a senior in Cameron, uh, there's nothing better than that. Um, and it never will be. Awesome. Awesome. What's the, uh, what's the best s- arena to visit outside of, of course, Cameron in the ACC? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I, and the funny thing is, I haven't been to a lot of road games uh, for basketball. Oh, you haven't? Oh, okay. I, I I have been to. I mean, I have been to the Comcast Center. Um, I will say that was my favorite game. Um, outside yeah. of a uh, Duke, but I, I will say this. Uh, no, that's not my favorite game. My favorite game is the only game I went to at the Dean Dome, which was my senior year. Um, that was when Duhan had the running uh, uh under the yeah. under the basket layup uh, to win the game in overtime. I was at that game sitting in the the booster club for the UNC uh, boosters um, because my friend was a Duke uh, graduate and worked in the ticket office. Got me a last minute ticket. So that was the best game. But I will say that the fans at um, uh, I've always heard the fans at UVA at John Paul Jones arena are always really nice and really cool. uh, And I've always wanted to get check out a game there. So I would say for those uh, for for that game, I'd want to go down um, to visit JPJ for a game. That's probably number one on my list. Awesome. And and just talk to me real quick before we go um, about kind of Tobacco Road and three schools, you know, eight miles apart, that whole thing. You know, I've always kind of found that that story and just kind of everything just being really cool just to think about those two just behemoths just being that close to each other. And just talk to me, you know, you know, because I've, 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 I've heard other interviews with other people that have been to Duke and have been to both schools and you know they talk about how duke is kind of that small pocket of durham and then everything else in the entire state is is unc did you see it that way just being there for four years um and and just where does wake kind of fall into things because i know wake's kind of fallen on hard times 
the last few years. But you know, there was a time where Wake was 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 you know was a was a premier school for basketball as well. So just kind of talk to me about those three schools and and the relationship and in, in the community between the three schools. Yeah, so it's like a, a the triangle is 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 interesting in the sense that yes, it's dominated by two teams, but a third lives there and a fourth used to. Um, so it's like living in a house where two guys are arguing about whose house it is. Uh, and that's Duke and UNC and NC State's like, hey, guys, uh, I know we're in Raleigh, but we live here, too. And Wake Forest chimes in with like, hey, we used to live here, so we have some say in this, too. Um, and it's really just that back and forth uh, that really makes the triangle a special place when it comes to uh, sports, m- much less college basketball, uh, to have two huge rivals, the, the greatest rivalry in college sports, in my opinion, um, to to have them eight miles apart is a, is a very unique thing. And to also have a third school that's 10 miles away from that. Uh, and all three of them back in the day were fighting for ACC and national championships every single year. Uh, and then you throw in Wake Forest, who uh, is not very far. It's only an hour and a half away. Uh, but they also, those four schools really have embodied the ACC and really the rivalries that present between the four schools uh, are, are things that uh, have really shaped college basketball over the years. And we've had some really good matchups between these two teams, not just Duke and UNC, but NC, NC State, uh, NC State, Duke, you know, Duke, Wake. We've, we've had some great, great games between the four schools. And I think that the proximity mm-hmm. like ties itself into how great uh, those rivalries are. And and I know a lot of the other rivalries get kind of overshadowed by Duke and C, but you know, they, they are all strong rivalries in their own right. And it makes for a great conference and really makes for great basketball. I thought of another question actually, before you go, uh, okay. of all the opposing fans that you've dealt with, you know, which of our, of our rivals, of course, you know, what's the best one in your opinion to deal with, you know, but who, who are the ones that, 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 you know, like, okay, I, I, I hate you guys. I hate your teams, but you guys are not that bad. Oh, so I'd say the best rivalry fans would definitely be NC State. Um, NC State kind of, you know, I, I I wouldn't say I hate NC State, but I definitely want to beat them every time. They're 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 one of our rivals, and when we talk with NC State fans, they're usually they're very knowledgeable. They know the game, um, but we all at the end, whether we you know disagree on who's going to win when it's Duke NC State, we are united in our hatred for UNC. Um, and it, sometimes the debate is who hates UNC more, uh, Duke or NC State fans. Uh, so they're they're obviously they're always a lot of fun. Um, and, and when we play each other, the banter is is usually jovial. Um, but at the end of the at the end of the night, whoever wins, yeah, there may be some some bragging, but we we quickly unite in, in saying go to hell, Carolina, go to hell. Amazing. Amazing. Well, it was a pleasure having you on, my man. Uh, appreciate the time that you've given us today. Before you go, please take this time to plug your podcast, uh, all the work you do on SB Nation, uh, Stars and Stripes, everything. Go ahead. Just use this time to plug and tell people where they can find you, man. Sure. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at BlazinDW, uh, B-L-A-Z-I-N-D-W. Uh, you can also uh, sub- subscribe to the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We, as you mentioned, we are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Uh, I also write at dbr.com. We have a great forum section, a robust one that not just talks about Duke. We talk about other ACC sports and just college basketball in general. So uh, feel free to check that out, dukebasketballreport.com. And on the soccer side, you can catch me. Uh, I am the co-manager of starsandstripesfc.com and also write for blackandredunited.com. So I'm all over the place, uh, mainly basketball and soccer, but 
really in, in anything when it comes to soccer or when it comes to sports in general, uh, you'll probably find me with, with some with some opinion on it and, and really trying to uh, branch out into it. So uh, I appreciate your time. I, I, I thank you for uh, one for supporting the podcast that we have. Uh, definitely uh, looking forward to uh, hearing more from you uh, as this podcast takes off and and uh, appreciate the time and, and talking with you. No, absolutely. And uh, keep up the good work you guys are doing over there. I'm a huge fan of of all three of you guys and and the work that you guys do. It's it's as a as a Duke basketball fan, it's 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 definitely a must listen every week to listen to the podcast. It's it's uh so we so we thank you. I think I can speak for all the Duke fans out there. We definitely thank you guys for the work and and the time you guys put into it. It's a great show. And uh, thank you for being here. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get you back on at the end of the year when we're celebrating hopefully a national championship. Ooh, boy. I'll hold you to that. Um, and hey. your lips to God's ears. So, hey, man. Uh, yeah, Definitely. we went. Let's I'll be it. back. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, man. Thank you for joining us on the show. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks again to Donald for joining me. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter at BlazingDW. Make sure you listen and subscribe to his podcast, the Duke Basketball Report Podcast, which is available anywhere where you can find podcasts for free. Uh, follow us on Twitter at AGS Pod, on Instagram at AGS Podcast, and then, of course, on Facebook at any given Sunday. Follow me on Twitter at Manuel Brown, on Instagram at Manuel Brown, and, of course, Snapchat, MannyBro15. As always, I'd like to thank the audience for listening and subscribing. If you like what you're listening to, please drop us a review on iTunes. We need those reviews as much as we can. Um, And thank you for listening and subscribing to the show each and every week. Without you guys, there is no podcast. Um, Make sure you catch us next week for another episode of the podcast. Until then, I am your host, Manny Brown. Have a happy, safe, blessed rest of your week. I am out of here. Peace. Peace.